0: Live from the Mecca Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Hard of the Matter, where we're working together through the idea of how to live the Christian life in the age of fulfillment. I'm your host, Sean McCraney. In the ministry, we try more and more to pull no punches while we examine, test everything. That's what scripture says to do. Test everything. Hold fast to what is good. That's Thessalonians. What I'm going to suggest and explore tonight is going to be kind of an affront to the ears and sensibilities of some of the Christians out there, I don't present it to offend, not in the least, nor to challenge for challenge's sake. That's not my thing at all. But I do present it to draw us as close to the biblical reality of things as possible. So, and I say it that way drawing as close to the biblical reality as possible because some people in the faith, because of tradition and over time and just a zeal, they, they tend to read into what the Bible says and make it bigger than what it is, make it say more than what it says in order to make God and Jesus seem better. And it's gone on for years and years. Sorry for the repeated qualifiers, but to teach, if I don't make these qualifiers, then there's people who automatically take the worst uh, make the worst assumptions of my intention and motives. So the qualifier is I want to make is Jesus is Lord and King here in 2020, going all the way back to the foundation of the world. I firmly believe I admit in my belief that he paid for the sins of the world for all of us, believer and not, but especially those who believe. And I believe that as God with us in the flesh of Jesus of Nazareth, his overcoming sin and death in the grave, having victory over Satan and hell He took the natural flesh of Jesus of Nazareth that he was clothed in, and having been God with us, he became God to us. I think that's the way I want to kind of say it now. Having been God with us, he became God to us. The ultimate mediator, uh, uh, intercessor between God the Father and man. So... There is, however, a line of rhetoric that I'm not so sure is true or correct, and I started thinking about it the other day, and I want to address that tonight, and that's the idea that Jesus was tempted in all things. Yeshua was tempted in all things. I think that line has to be contextualized and seen for what it actually means rather than what it possibly could mean as we take it out to extremes in our day and age. I have been told by many people Jesus was tempted in everything. He, he understands your, your temptations because of that. And for that, we have extrapolated that out to mean everything. There are a few passages that help us understand uh, temptation in Scripture. One of them is 1 John 2.16. It says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of the world. And I believe that Jesus was certainly tempted with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. When did that happen? It happens in Scripture in Matthew chapter four. We read when uh, Jesus is, goes into when Jesus goes into the wilderness, and he is tempted by Satan with one, two, three temptations. The first one being. If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Well, Jesus had been fasting, so perhaps this temptation represents the lust of the flesh. That's the first thing John says. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh. So the first thing he gets hit with from Satan, turn these stones into bread, lust of your flesh, feed yourself. That was it. The second one, Satan says to him, if you're the Son of God, cast yourself down and let the angels catch you. And meaning, come on, prove yourself. Be the great one. Appeal, therefore, to the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. So what about that one, the lust of the eyes, that's included by John? That's the third one. When Satan shows Jesus all the kingdoms of the world, I don't know how he did that, but that's what it says. And and Satan says, all these things I will give you if you'll fall down and worship me. Uh, And that, to me, represents the lust of the eyes because Satan showed him all the kingdoms of the world. He could see them. So when John says all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, I think those three things were covered in the wilderness temptations of Jesus by Satan. So in a general sense of being uh, tempted, Jesus certainly was tempted. And in the specific sense of being tempted, those three examples, he was tempted. But was he tempted in all things, as we often say today, or were those temptations specific to his day and age and not to ours? So I don't want to reject the idea that the potency of his temptations, the, the power of them was not otherworldly. That's possible. That when he was tempted, you know, by something, that the power of it was more than we could comprehend. And that's entirely possible. And that would have made uh, his temptations representative of everything we have uh, ourselves here and day. Nevertheless, was he tempted in all things? I don't think Jesus was tempted with divorcing a, a, a nagging wife. I don't I don't think he was tempted with that. Or with the temptation to look at porn that comes across the cell phone 24-7. I don't think Jesus was tempted with that. So, you know, you could say, well, he was tempted with lust. I'm not saying he wasn't tempted with lust. But was he tempted to the same extreme that we have it when it is uh, when it is given to us every day through devices and things like that? I don't think the desire to escape modern civilization and its discontents through the abuse of drugs, cocaine, ganja, was on his list of things Jesus was tempted by. You know, maybe alcohol was that temptation and maybe they correlate, but methamphetamine is a very powerful manufactured drug and it's hard for me to believe that there was something similar in his day that peers were using and he was tempted to use it. So taking the scripture and reading what it actually says, Hebrews chapter 4, 14 through 15 says this, speaking about Jesus seeing that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens Jesus the son of god let us hold fast to our profession for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities but he was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin this is where we get the basis of jesus was tempted with everything Of course, we could recite that passage today to each other as a proof text. No, he was tempted with everything. Look at Hebrews. In all points, he was tempted as we are, yet without sin. Remember, who was the book of Hebrews written to? Hebrews. It was written to Jews. Okay? So, and wasn't the writer contextually saying that Jesus was tempted in all points that they, the Jews, were tempted in? I think he was. Jews to Jews, and that those points refer to the points of the law, that he in all points was tempted as we are, us Jews, yet without sin. This would mean that relative to the temptations of his age, again, they were temptations relative to the law that God had given Yeshua had been tempted and he walked away overcoming what was placed before him in his call to fulfill the law and the prophets. And that makes sense to me. And it's a fair and reasonable representation of scripture. But I still wonder about the idea, the repeated teaching that Jesus was tempted in all things that have existed throughout the history of the world. Was it necessary for him to be tempted with joining a wife swapping club out of Vegas I say that because I know a guy who is part of a wife swapping club in Vegas. Was Jesus, did he have to be tempted with that specific crime in order to understand the temptation? I don't think so. I think lust is lust in whatever form it takes. And for him to be presented with lust in his day and to reject it, fulfilling the law, uh, was and then to die is a way of facing that temptation, but not the exact one. As a comeback, some believers will say, Hebrews uh, 2.18, For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. And that's the thing that we say. You know, Jesus understands the temptations you're going through. He went through them himself, but he didn't sin. And because he went through them, he is able to succor you. And what that means is he's able to help you and counsel you and care for you because he understands what it's like to go through these temptations. I would again point out that that was a passage in Hebrews and it was written to them and it certainly does not mean he directly experienced temptation relative to doing something evil that people face today. Paul wrote something really interesting in 1 Corinthians ten thirteen, and it says this, listen, there has no temptation taken you But such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Now that passage is interesting. In other words, he's telling the believers then that whatever temptation they were falling prey to, that temptation was part of the common human experience. And I think that's true. I think, generally speaking, temptation, whatever the drive is, is a is a common factor all humans share going all the way back to the creation of man, all the way out to 2020. That what is drawing us is the same thing. And so that's why Paul says, there's no temptation that's not common to man. We We have our flesh and the flesh gravitates toward these general categories of temptation. Uh, So the lust for what was under the robe of somebody in Jesus' day is going to be the same lust that's what's under the bikini of somebody today, right? Uh, But what I want to point out is important. God had Jesus come in that very specific time and age. It was not our day and age, but it was... Right at the time of a confluence between Judaism fading, the Roman Empire being prime, Pax Romana being there for the roads are there for all the stuff to be disseminated, Jesus to suffer, some call it the meridian of time for the sins of the world. Certainly there was sin and temptation. Perhaps there were sins and temptations we can't understand that were around then. But he came to his own and I can't help wonder if the temptations he experienced while applicable to all human sin were a direct product of his day, age and culture and purposely did not include the actual temptations or the abundance or frequency or preponderance of temptations that people feel today. Uh, I mean, this does not demean the victory he had over sin and death, but it does suggest a few things to us today that I see as important considerations. See, I think of Jesus as being consummately, ultimately merciful and compassionate. He entered the world in what call some people call them the meridian of time, and he overcame what was placed before him from that age in which he lived fulfilling the law and the prophets, sacrificing himself through his shed blood, which was perfect, and he redeemed the world through that sacrifice. So I concur with the principle laid forth in Hebrews 4, which says, For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. Help those. And that continues on today as our Lord and King. I think he helps us in our temptations, even after everything has been complete. But combining his experience in the flesh and his compassion and mercy for the human experience of all generations and ages, I think it's possible. I have to just suggest this, that Jesus may look at this world today and be like, the feelings I had and the temptations I had as a human being were imposing. But even I'm stunned by the preponderance of what's coming upon you guys now. Because he's merciful and he's compassionate I doubt very much That Jesus as an 8 to 10 year old boy Was tempted to look at porn Like children and adolescents are tempted to look at it today I doubt very much that that was the case But he certainly understands what draws people To have such desires Um, and for that reason I think he was born in that specific age in that community to those specific people under those specific laws that God had given them so that through his obedience to all of that he was able to not only save them but the world along with them through the shed of his innocent shedding of his innocent blood. I think it's unbiblical and therefore detrimental to teach to people today Jesus was tempted and tried in every, all the same ways, quantity and persuasions that you are t- t- tried and tempted with. I think that's not a biblical stance. And I think it, it does harm. Um, I think it leads to an unhealthy response in modern failures of the flesh and can lead to desperation and despair and depression. And even people walking from the faith altogether because they can't, they can't understand how did Jesus do that? in if he went through the same thing I've gone through and and I, not that he couldn't, but it's just I think it's just making a mistake. So to me, the better approach to say is that Jesus faced the temptation to lust and be proud and to allow his flesh to reign over his spirit relative to his day and the law and his culture and his age and having gone through what he has gone through He completely understands the forces and factors that are at play, perhaps with some amazement even at times. And that looking into our world, he's not condemning people, but he's more than ever understanding how we get so messed up in our lives and how we wind up doing such heinous things as we uh, fall into traps that perhaps were unheard of in his day and age. Some things for your consideration. Write your comments below. We'll get to them tomorrow night here on Heart of the Matter.